This is the Design Ops Podcast, the weekly show where we aim to improve how we work together, how we get work done, and the impact our work has. I'm your host, Sean Johnson, and this week I'm delighted to be talking to Design Director and Diversity and Inclusion Champion, Lily Dart. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's really lovely to be here. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm always interested to hear how people find their way into design leadership. I'm kind of at that crossroads at the minute and don't know whether to carry on practicing or go down the leadership route. So um, can you talk us through how you you got into design and how you've navigated your way through to your current role which is design director at Photobox is that right? That's absolutely right yeah so actually I got into the kind of more creative aspects quite young uh, but I found early on so I've been quite a creative family my parents are both in the theatre um, and so initially I wanted to be an actor right that's that's what, what I wanted to do because that's what was my whole family life was about Right. Um, uh, and for various reasons well, mostly because my parents said repeatedly do not become an actor you will never <laughs> be able to feed yourself and uh, I started exploring other creative routes um, and I found really quickly that I just really didn't feel like I was very good at like drawing or painting or any of the kind of traditional art things um, and it was when I got regular access to a computer actually um, as a kid that I started to find that I could do things digitally um, and that became a really interesting creative outlet that kind of married the two things I cared about at the time together which was technology and creativity and so I would um, sit with uh, whatever you know, editing studio I had access to at the time. And this was many, 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 many years ago. Um, and create what we could generously call digital art and then right. try and build websites around it to be able to, to present it to people. Um, and when I was, so I'm disabled, I've got very long running chronic illness um, and I got very sick at 13. Um, and this was kind of one of my key hobbies. I, I was quite interested in, in tech leading up to it. It was one of my key hobbies when I was housebound for about three years as I was kind of getting through the worst of this illness I've had it for the whole of my life but like I had the kind right. of roughest patch at that point point. Right. Um, and so that was my communicative and creative outlet it was uh, do something you know in whatever editing studio I had access to and find ways to publish it online or build a website around it or do make a really creative website or something like that um, and when I, I I then kind of did that I did that solidly for three years as a hobby and when I um, kind of got well enough to, to go back to school at about 16 my school actually asked me to build a website for them um, uh, and I did a terrible job like let's be absolutely <laughs> honest here I did an absolutely awful job I was 16 and almost nobody there wasn't much of a practice around building websites at all so I'm, I'm 35 now right like this was this right. was a long time ago um, there was no practice around building websites so there was not you know a kind of clear commonly held view on what usability was or what common standards were yeah, yeah. You know, it, I, I could I could write html and i could write css um and i could do things in photoshop and and i cobbled something together out of that that had content in it um but it was my first uh, freelance gig and mm -hmm. um what happened was i then uh, kept freelancing uh, and as i was doing my art a level as my art teacher frequently told me i was very bad at art <laughs> what i was doing in the background was um in the background i continued to learn about graphic design i continued to learn my technical skills so i kept on learning to write code um and so I continued on in that vein and, and that was kind of the beginning of my career and, and since then I've kind of expanded out uh, in terms of design so I've I've done service design I've done uh, user research um, and I did about 10 years of hands-on hands design of lots and lots of different kinds um, and then about 10 years into my career I uh, got given the first opportunity to start doing leadership and actually it wasn't design leadership in the first instance it was multidisciplinary leadership so right. I was in a small agency and I 
became, uh, it was growing fast. I became the kind of second in command um, from what was originally a five person agency to it was 25 people when I left. Um, and I was just in my mid twenties at this point, uh, right? right? So this is my yeah. first leadership gig and we, we scaled the team. What felt like a frightening amount at the time because <laughs> um, a lot changes from five people to 25. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, absolutely. Like lots of, lots of really frightening learning. And, and it went on from there. So from there, I then started getting into more kind of dedicated design leadership. Um, and this, I think, is probably the fifth or sixth team I've, I've run all, overall. But I've also run design systems teams, right? And that those are also multidisciplinary teams. So certainly my my background in you know web development as well as design and some of the other kind of technical skills um, that I got early on in my career has also been helpful in allowing me a bit more flexibility of where I got into leadership and how I did that um, and uh, a bit more uh, kind of experience in, in you know, solving different types of problems and with different levels of responsibility. So that's quite interesting. Um, I think we had a chat at uh, ConvergeConf and I suggested that I think uh, even juniors and midweights have um, an element of design ops responsibility in their roles in terms of when they're having conversations kind of around the design work, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, articulating design decisions, um, selling design, um, and some of those sort of conversations they have that, you know, often have a bit of friction attached to them. Yes. Um, and yeah, I wonder, I wonder if, if, then for the role of um, a design leader, whether you have design ops in your title or or just generally you know design manager or head of, is it important that you come from a design background? An excellent question. Um, I I tend to think it's it's not important, and actually vice versa. I'm also very supportive of. The, I worked in government for for quite a chunk of time, and you see a lot of people transitioning into service design roles, for example, from from non design backgrounds, right. um, and and you do absolutely need to do training in that situation but actually sometimes they are some of the most successful service designers that you see um, because the skills they have learned are about engaging with stakeholders understanding governance unblocking problems understanding the levers of the organization that allow you to create change understanding how budgets work understanding capex versus opex and all of that horrible Mm. stuff that none of us as designers ever want to have to be near Um, you know and so actually when you understand those mechanisms in the context of service design, you learn the levers that you have within an organization to be able to negotiate change. And so much of service design is actually, there's a design part, but actually embedding it is all about negotiating the change. And that tends to be the much longer portion of, of actually doing successful service design. So I, I think there's a massive amount of value. Like I strongly believe in the value of kind of pairing um, business skills with design skills. Uh, I think the, the tricky thing around this narrative becomes the um that narrative we get into about wanting designers to do and have skills in everything right so it's the yeah. ux designer to product designer pipeline of um uh, and 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 designers should code and designers should have business skills and designers should have some service design skills and they should have you know and and by the time you unpack all of this i think when you lift up the lid and look underneath it what you see is design is not well supported in organizations and it actually takes quite a ragtag bunch of people with varying different skills often from varying 
different backgrounds to be able to create a safe space for design within an organization, which is why I absolutely think we, you know, as long as someone is supportive of design and they see the value of it, if they want to come in and support designers, like we should not be turning up our nose to that because our jobs are hard enough as it as it is, right? Absolutely. In most situations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm particularly interested in the challenges that we face um, in, in design leadership. I think you touched on a few of them there. Um, in, in your management roles, what are, what are common problems that persist or keep popping up? Oh, hiring, hiring <laughs> of any kind. Um, the market at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think uh, so. I, I think it's it's it, it's two common things. Um, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's three common things. Okay. So um, the first one I would say is generally how is design perceived in the organisation, um, and that is variable. I, I saw someone say once, and it's always stuck in my mind because I think it's very true um, that you have a kind of multiple different kinds of organisations. But if you're talking about product design, for example, mm-hmm. you see organisations where you've got very strong product people, and you tend to have more production line style expectations of the designers in that situation right. because you have core decision makers, and and it's very hard to have genuine kind of equal buy-in holistically across a larger organisation where every product person works in the same way with every design person, and so you you kind of end up going well. We don't need that strong designers here because we've got really strong product people, and there's a very big overlap in product design between kind of product thinking, you know, and the actual technical skills it takes to design, right? Or you have organizations where you have weak product people, or you perhaps don't have kind of product managers, you have product owners. So it's more about representing the business. And then you see more of a kind of right opportunity for designers to rise up the ranks and be a bit more kind of strategically respected um, because they are filling a gap of decision-making and insight and influence and kind of uh, unpacking a problem in a way that the organization needs. Mm. And I, I think that is a really difficult one going into any kind of new organization as a leader because trying to understand what your which organization you're getting before you get there is hard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes you don't actually know for six months in. It's you know, you mm. can try and ask the right questions, but sometimes you don't really until you've been through a planning cycle, for example, or until you have filled a cup, you know, perhaps you've gone into a team that, you know, a couple of your most senior roles are missing and you've got to hire for them and you, you get those people in place and then suddenly the role is not as you expected because actually you, you know you had people missing in those roles to be able to get some of the visibility you needed and so trying to understand what shape of organization you're in and and where the opportunities for growth and change are and and where it will be very not impossible but very hard to create growth and change is is difficult because it, it leads on to how do you get the right profile of person in the organization that that individual as a designer can feel successful um and it, it's very hard um you know if you take the for um, you know, for example the situation where designers have historically been seen as production line in an organization mm. you can't put a you know an inexperienced senior or lead in a role that, and go this is a great place for you to grow right. because you're not just asking them to grow you're also asking them to like change the organization as they go um you know and that that then changes your budget profiling right so if i need some really experienced people in these roles and i've only got a limited amount of budget where do i put the budget you know how many roles yeah. do i hire for so it, it's always that kind of um, give and take of um, can you understand which organization you're in and can you understand what you need to make that um, uh, make it successful and and then and then you've got the general practical pieces of it's just really hard to hire right now and, you know, particularly in London but actually uh, you know my my team is in Amsterdam and Barcelona as well and okay. it's hard to hire everywhere um, so there's some really practical stuff of just kind of holding your breath and, and hoping that you can 
find the right people to work with. Um, but I would say the third one for me is really, um, it's about insight within organizations. Um, and, and it does come back to how much power does does design have and how is it perceived? Right. Um, but it's very hard to make an argument about the impact. You're ha- I mean, I don't necessarily believe in the ROI of design in the way that we, it gets talked about, but it's hard. It's hard to kind of evidence what kind of impact you're having or even to do good and effective work if you can't frame a problem effectively if you don't have the right kind of insight um and that can be a separate difficult journey all of its own um you know even if we have great people doing usability testing and maybe a small amount of well scoped discovery that's not the same as do i understand that, you know whether or not the sales are good in the company do i understand which countries they're good for and which ones they're bad for um you know do i understand um do i have access to enough even of product analytics or have visibility of those things to be able to see where the UX risks would be. And and all of that type of stuff is wildly variable in different organizations you go into, right? Wildly variable. Um, But ultimately, it's the, are you being given the tools to do your job successfully as a design team? And if you aren't being given them, is it possible to get them? And and how are you going to do that? Um, So it's always that kind of give and take of we will, we will never be, I mean, I have started saying quite openly to my team members now um, there's a lot we can do to be more not just my current team members but other designers in the industry there's always a lot more you can do to be better embedded in an organization to work with people more effectively um, you know, to be in the spaces that you want to be making change in but ultimately you have to realize that engineering is always going to be at least four times as big as the design team yeah. right yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it's most likely that product is the one are going to be the ones that are holding the purse strings and, and neither of those things are ever going to be true for design they just won't be it's not the role that we play in the industry um you know obviously we can all go and create our own organizations where those things are different but holistically for how the industry is right now that's that's the way things are going to be and we have to unfortunately work with the fact that we we have got less of those organizational levers to work with and that means we have to develop other skills like getting really good at influencing people if we want to create the outcomes that we want to create having been really good at getting the right insight in place if we want to create the outcomes we want to create um but it is, it's frustrating, understandably frustrating for a lot of designers um, because you get asked to come in and do a role and then often organisations will put in a lot of barriers to you actually being able to to do that role meaningfully. Sure. I'm just scribbling down. There's a ton, a ton of stuff in there I want to kind of unpack. If I can. Can, I, can, can I ask, in your, um, well, I guess in any of your manager, management roles, where does design sit? Do you report into product or do you have your own tower? Or And, and, and does, that, does that affect how many of those challenges um, are apparent? Good question. Um, yeah, so I think as, uh, so I've probably worked in most different shapes of organisation right. um, uh, and I have had my own power um, before, but it's been in the context of an agency. So, but let me talk a little bit about those different environments. So, um, so I have, as I said, I've, some of the leadership roles I've done have been multidisciplinary teams. Um, I've, I've worked in, so when I worked in Lloyd's, we had a chief design officer, actually. Um, okay. So unfortunately, it wasn't me, but um, we did have a chief design officer. So that was when I was running the design systems team there. Um, so we had, 
I mean, it, Lloyd's is massive, right? There's mm. about 10, 16,000 people in, in digital transformation at the time that we were there. Well, transformation really? at the time we wow. were there, yeah. It, it, Lloyd's is 80,000 staff, or it was at the time okay. across the UK. And so you can imagine how you then end up with like a transformation team of yeah, 16,000 sure. people. And most of those were engineers, designers, or product people. But we still had, I think, at the peak, we had like 350 designers to what was something like you know, 9,000 engineers. Wow. Not all of them were customer-facing engineers, but it was like 9,000 oh. engineers. Um, so massive. But we did, you know, that was a C-level role, reporting into the board. Um, so I have worked in, in that environment. Um, I've also, um, so another agency I worked in, I ran uh, the design team. It was the biggest team in the business. Most of what the agency sold was design. Uh, so it's not a massive organization, about between 100 and 120 people while I was there. Um, but the the team I was running was about 60, it was 30 to 60 people, depending on how many contractors we had on the ground at the time and sort of the nature of the work that we were doing. But the kind of permanent team was was minimum around uh, around 30 people. And um, so that was where I was on the management team um, and, and was kind of fully accountable for design. Um, I currently am reporting into the chief product officer. So at Photobox where I am at the moment, um, okay. I'm in product. Um, uh, in When I was in government, I was reporting into digital transformation. Um, so I was on the leadership team of, of uh, the kind of transformation space. Um, so it, it's I've probably worked in every every type of configuration. And the things that you think are going to get you, you know, the things you're like, oh, damn, if it was just different in this yeah. one way, then things would be loads better. Yeah. It just never is. Right. It, it never is. Of course, there are better and worse organizations to work in for designers. There absolutely are. Um, but ultimately, we have got such a varying set of standards, I think, across the kind of digital industry, but the design industry more broadly as well. We've got such a varying set of standards about what being a designer means, what we expect of designers, what organizations expect of designers, um, that it is it's really difficult for any individual to get a grip on what they're going to be asked when they come into an organization. Sure. Um, and I often I often surprise people coming into organizations because I do have a, a you know a kind of history running or helping to run small businesses I've worked in government I've worked in banks mm. I've worked on e-commerce and so I've got a really wide knowledge of how you know like it's not my strongest thing but I know a lot about how businesses work um I, I'm very, you know I'm often the one that talks in risk terms you know obviously yeah. I'm relating to customer experience but are we going talking about risk I'll be talking about governance um you know and, and that's you know I, I can also talk a lot about how you make great customer experience but when I'm in a business those are the things that I'm talking about because I've been doing leadership roles for for a long time now and and in different types of businesses um and and I think people you know people are surprised when they interview me they're surprised when they hire me because it's not what they expect of a designer um but also if I didn't have those skills I wouldn't get anything done and and this is very few people actually often in in the kind of wider industry when you look beyond startups when you look beyond Silicon Valley it's not that common to have worked with design teams right so you might if you're in a bank and you're a designer going to work with a part of the business to build a, an interface it's unlikely that anyone that you're talking to in that part of the business is any as, as, has ever worked with a designer before right yeah, maybe yeah. a graphic designer but like they won't have ever come across someone before and so there's also there's expectations around like are you the artsy fartsy like does designer mean artsy 
fartsies? Does that mean that, you know, you're you're going to think about everything creatively and not like in a problem solving way? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like what, it's what are those expectations that people have of you going in? And it's really difficult to get a grip on that because it is wildly variable. But even if I just think about the difference of what what I would accept for designers going into government, like the, the, the standard is a lot higher, if I'm honest, for designers in government than it is in the private sector in most places. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff I see in the private sector that absolutely would not be tolerated in the government design industries. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's I I then had a little bit of a shock when I started hiring again commercially after a little while in government because um, when I saw the sorts of things that we were finding acceptable as practices within more commercial worlds, I, for me, I, my expectations were also jarred. Um, right. And and the, it, it just makes it it makes it a very tricky industry to get your hands around and be successful with. And I think sort of going back to your 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 earlier question around you know should people you know do we, do we accept people from sort of non-design backgrounds mm. we have to we have to look at not just people from other design backgrounds but you know, if we really want to be successful unfortunately it's not fair but we should be looking at what skills do we need to get that are non-design skills as well yeah absolutely um, and I, unfortunately i see less of that in commercial well not not universally but i see less of that in the commercial world than i do in in government where i think you do have much more of a kind of mix of skills often but it's been become less like that over the time as as more of an industry has you know particularly a contracting industry has grown up around government we do have you know less people with some of those skills because it's, it's an easier place to succeed in now but um but yeah it's a mixed bag for sure um you, you you've mentioned hiring in in, in there as a, as a as a problem probably the first thing you mentioned what 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 problems do you have with hiring what, what's particularly in the current uh climate i think um expectations are again variable right now uh, so I hired, or I tried to hire, I gave an offer to someone recently mm-hmm. um, for a senior product designer role. Um, that was a good offer, I thought. Yeah. Um, and she came back and said, and she was shocked, but she came back and said, I've been offered this much money. And the amount of money that she was offered for a senior role elsewhere was my salary right. as a director. So that's, um, so in our, in our line, we have senior principal, um, head of director okay um and she'd been offered my salary somewhere else um, do you have because you, you, you i mean you do see um almost a, 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 a crossroad you might get to say lead who probably practices and leads to a certain extent and then almost you're starting to see a split more right you know, people going into management but those long-serving designers who perhaps don't want to go into management so you're going down the principal route and staff designer and you probably are getting those salaries um that are comparable to sort of management roles do, do you see much of that uh, so i don't see much of that out in the industry right now if i'm honest right. it was a, a i first started to try to establish that in my last role. Um, mm-hmm. The the team at Facebook is a bit smaller than my than my last company was the kind of 30 to 60 people size organization. Um, uh, my the photo box team, so the 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 Albany photo box team is um, I've got about 20 people overall in design okay. at the moment. Um, it will probably get slightly bigger than that when we've filled all the roles, but some of them are graphic designers. Um, so they are working more on like, you know, so we do personalized photo products. So it's more things like what are our Christmas cards going to look like this? 
this year. Um, and there are researchers within that. So there's a mix of different skills. Um, I'm not seeing out in the industry, and when I'm speaking to people for hiring, I'm not seeing people like see a lot of principal roles um, or lead roles or equivalent. Um, uh, I am also, I do intermittently do some coaching as well. And I'm, I'm not hearing it kind of be reflected back at me. I do think, I do think it is starting to happen. Um, right. But as ever, a lot of these kind of intermediary leadership roles tend to happen in much larger organisations. Um, and I do think probably the market um, over the last couple of years, the probably COVID market, like COVID jobs market, is going to have going to have been quite variable within that. So again, mm. when organisations are low on cash, they don't invest in designers. Yeah. Um, so and a lot of people didn't want to lose like leave their jobs in the middle, early stages of COVID, right? So you you start off with a situation where we've gone from being relatively healthy in design just pre-COVID um, and, and I think some of those roles starting to you know starting to crop up and starting to be a thing in the industry you then go into what has typically been a kind of freeze hiring period um, where if people had those roles they were holding on to them um, you then start to go through depending on the type of business you're in either you had a COVID boom or you had a COVID bust um, but more broadly people tended to have negative impacts during COVID um, and then you're probably letting go of some designers you're definitely not creating new leadership roles as you go forward um, yeah, and now and then we kind of came out the other side of COVID and suddenly there was a massive boom again and salaries got completely out of whack um, mm-hmm. with uh, you know lots of other things that were going on in the world so when you know lots of people didn't get a pay rise with kind of cost of cost of living inflation you know design and products and tech roles got a massive boom and then they started to come crashing back down on the other side of it um, so it's been a it, it's been a wild ride for the last five mm-hmm. years around hiring around some of yeah. these things around uh, people's expectations um, so I do I think probably we'll start to stabilize and get back to um, looking at more of those types of kind of intermediary leadership roles I always struggle with putting them in my own structure when you're talking about lead and, and principal less so because principal I don't expect to have any line management for sure yeah, yeah. Um, if you're talking about lead um, it's tricky because some it depends on the scope of the role sometimes you do sometimes you don't design manager obviously will be should theoretically be all line management and no hands on but yeah. you can only do that if you've got a large enough organization to do it in right sure. so uh, this is the other challenge with these roles that if you have only got a 20 person organization or even a 30 person organization you know, being able to embed those roles meaningfully can be quite tricky um, because it introduces a lot of layers into your organization um, and you can't always say yeah of course I can have five principles within that environment because then who does the line management right um, you know, so all of these things are tricky and again they the route they come back to how well invested is design and is it possible for design to holistically mirror some of the uh, you know, approaches that because fundamentally what we're doing in this situation is we're mirroring engineering right we're yeah. saying this is the yeah. this is the engineering approach but as we said before engineering tends to have you know four to twenty times the size of the design team typically in an organization sure, yeah, absolutely so of course they can have all these intermediary layers Okay, so we're going to pause it there. This was a longer than normal recording and we covered off some interesting topics. The first being around common problems Lily's faced in her roles, particularly around hiring, which you've just listened to. Um, The rest of the conversation is around diversity, equity and inclusion. And I feel it's a super important topic and one that warrants its own episode. So thank you for listening so far and we'll see you back here next week for a continuation of the conversation with Lily. (laughs) 